Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with UK-based inspirational speaker and entrepreneur, Rich Alderton. On his journey from the shop floor to the boardroom, Rich realized that people at all levels struggle with change, which is when he realized that he had to dedicate his career to helping people raise their adaptability intelligence. For Rich, being an entertaining and inspirational speaker is just base camp. But to achieve that extra level of engagement, Rich taps into his fold of experience that spans over 25 years of leading change in some of the world's most innovative organizations, including Kansas City, Missouri. Enjoy this interview. Hello, Joe. Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. How, how's everything going today? Uh, if I could just uh, start chatting. Mm, it doesn't realize we already have. <laughs> I'm, it, everything is fine, well, and dandy here in England. How is it with you? Did I hear on a previous podcast you're in Kansas City? Kansas City, Missouri. Yes, sir. I um, I used to have a team. Um, I used to work for a big global corporate um, dairy equipment company um, who uh, had an office out in Kansas City. So I've uh, I've been out there a few times. I don't, not like any corporate traveler, I don't, don't know the place at all well. Right, but, right. Um, I did I did get a visit to the Harley factory when that was open. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's cool. Yeah, next time you got to get some barbecue and. Maybe see a little jazz, something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously a big passion for you. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm more uh, into rock. I'm afraid that's fine, you know. And the UK brought the world the best rock and roll ever with the Beatles and the Stones and Bowie and I mean everything. I mean, like modern day, there's just so much that comes out of the UK. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, but. At any rate, it's it's great to meet you, and I want to begin our our interview and conversation with living through COVID the last three years was quite an ordeal. How did you get through it, and how has it changed the way that you do things now? <laughs> okay, well, my story is uh, maybe a bit different from some. Um, I, I mean, I, I survived, and uh, lots of people went through very tough times. Uh, so my story is relatively mild, but actually, COVID wasn't the problem for me during COVID. Two two weeks before we went into lockdown here in the UK back in March 2020, I was diagnosed with uh, cancer, cancer of the tonsils. I mean, who even knew that was a thing, right? Yeah. Um, so I spent um, most of lockdown here in the UK actually being in isolation. And I had this bizarre thing, this kind of post-apocalyptic experience. I had to go into the hospital, which was about 10 miles away, every day for six weeks to get radiotherapy on my neck. And the, the streets were completely empty. It was like a nuclear bomb had gone off. And, and me and my wife, who was driving me, were the only people left on the planet. And we were scared. We were we were like driving around with our papers, you know, like we were trying to get through Europe in the Second World War, but waiting to be stopped by the police because we were out when we should have been locked down. Um, so, yeah, so COVID really was a – all I say to my friends is it was very nice of you to all be locked down when I was. Thanks very much for joining me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to you, the second part of your question – how how did it it change? It changed uh, a lot, um, and and some for the good and some for the not so good. Actually, I prefer so I do training, I do facilitation, I do coaching, and when it comes to coaching and changing behaviour, 
I find that much easier, much more powerful, much more productive to do face to face. Um, and back in the old world, nobody really would have thought about doing thing and behavior change and culture change, doing these kind of really quite heavy emotional intelligence type things online. But now, of course, everybody accepts that that's entirely possible. I don't think it's quite as powerful. So I'm in a position where my business model gets to um, be highly advantaged by this because now I can sit at home, I can do a lot more work, um, I, I can bill a lot more hours uh, if that's what I want to do. But actually what I'd rather do is I'd rather be a little bit more ineffective, inefficient. Um, I hope my bank manager is not listening to this. Um, and I'd rather go out and, and and actually still have those meetings with people but some of my clients actually, because it's the same for them, they don't want to travel. Um, so I end up taking a lot more meetings than I used to online. It is very useful for me because I came back to the UK a few years ago from living in New Zealand for, for nine years. Um, and I've still got friends, colleagues and clients out there. Um, and of course, it still enables me to keep those contacts, to keep working and and having those conversations without hopping on a plane five times a year, which is what I did the year after I got back to the UK. So let's get to the essence of exactly what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. And one of them asks you, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? Uh, I do leadership development. So I help leaders be better leaders. Um, so that uh, they are leaders worth following and they create work worth doing and cultures worth working in. I, I nicked that from thought leaders in Australia. Uh, my main passion is adaptability. So I help people become more adaptable. What does that mean? It means I help people become comfortable, not with a specific change, which is how we tend to try and get through change these days one it project or new product introduction at a time i i help people become comfortable with the whole idea of change i change people's attitudes to change so that they like change more than they did before okay so what did you want to be when you were in the third grade truck driver okay um and that that graduated on there was a children's tv program here in the uk uh, called play school um and i saw a piece of footage uh, a seminal moment when i was about four i don't know um and they had a, a um piece of film in a factory making glass bottles i think it was and i i was completely mesmerized by this whole process and i put that moment down to why I ended up going into supply chain. I started off in factories making, packing strepsils on the night shift packing line and then graduated up to running logistics. And I ran a billion dollar global supply chain, which included lots of trucks, none of which I was driving. <laughs> That's wonderful. So who's been kind of a hero for you in your life? Oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't go big on heroes. Um, I, I suppose people who have highly influenced me, the, the guy, the guy who 
most recently influenced me was about 10 years ago down in New Zealand, a guy called Michael Henderson calls himself the corporate anthropologist, which I just think is the most brilliant job title. Um, and Michael was working with my organization to, uh, that I was running. I was running a small multinational. Um, and Michael said to me, he said, what I do for culture, you could do just as well in whatever it is you decide to be passionate about. And it was him who started me down the road um, towards, I, I, I thought about setting up my own business. I had never had the courage to leave corporate life. Um, but, you know, as I was heading towards 50, I suppose I thought if I don't do it now, I never will. So he's he's been he's been highly influential uh, in my life. Um, I, I could say that. So, if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend a little time with them, who would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I suppose you know I was having this conversation uh, just the other week. I, I I would love to meet our. Prime Minister here in the UK, Rishi Sunak. Now, this isn't going to turn into a party political broadcast. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's got everything to do with the fact that one of the biggest things I find with people I coach, whether it's team coaching or individual coaching, lots of people lack the ability to do constructive conflict. Now, I grew up in a house of debate, um, and we, we found out whether we agreed with a point of view um, by basically arguing it and and trying to take it apart. And that's got me into trouble in my life because that's kind of how I roll now. And if I can't break something, I will absolutely back it with everything I've got. It turns out most people aren't brought up that way and most people are, are told to think the way that they're supposed to think and they're told the views they're supposed to have. Um, and if they change them, then they just change them on their own without having a lot of debate. Um, constructive conflict for most people seems to be an oxymoron. You can't, you, you can't have those, right? And, and what I say to people is if you really want to understand the power of unconstructive conflict, turn on your local news, whatever country you live in, turn on your local news and listen to your politicians. And it's certainly true in the UK um, that all they try and do is destroy each other. These are the people who are responsible for our lives. They hold budgets bigger than most corporations. And what are they doing? They're, tri they're behaving like third graders uh, in your language. Yeah. And all they're trying to do is throw rocks at each other. They're not interested in actually listening, saying, yes, I was wrong. Um, I've taken this risk. It hasn't worked. No, it didn't work. But don't worry, we're not going to beat you up about that. We're going to celebrate the fact that you failed and we're going to move forward together. All of these kind of mature conversations that people like me come into boardrooms and spout all the time, and, and it's completely normal, conventional thinking, doesn't actually happen in real life um, enough. And it certainly doesn't happen um, by the people who are running our lives. And I... I would just like to say to Rishi, do you understand that this is no way to run any organization, especially an entire country? You know, get yourself together, man, and actually start having a debate. You might win a few more votes. If you treated everybody with a bit more respect, you might get some more respect. 
but that's that that's me off my hobby horse yeah now. yeah no you're good no and as somebody that's in a leadership position that's motivating people what is your motivator every day what gets you up and moving and accomplishing what you want to get done oh the 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 kind of penny drop moment that that gave me the power and courage to leave corporate life and set up on my own was I, I like change. I love change. Um, I can even turn a negative change into a positive. I'm not, I'm not the best person at change I've ever met. Um, but I'm, but I'm pretty good. Um, and what I saw around me as I climbed the corporate ladder from, you know, working the night shift through to sitting on the board of a listed company, I saw that it didn't really matter how high up you were, what your job title was, how much you earned. Most people resist most change most of the time at any level, at any background. And it's not surprising because we're pre-programmed to do that. We've evolved over 50,000 years to see change as a threat to our security. So what I did was I said, well, I can carry on being a CEO now that I've got here. I can become a bigger and bigger CEO um, and make other people richer and richer. Or I can actually help as many people as I can to enjoy rather than endure the life of change that surely lies ahead for us all. And once I'd had that idea, I thought, I'm so lucky that lots of people can be CEOs. Lots of people can be better CEOs than I was. And um, not everybody has this passion, not only for change, but to help others love change as much as I do. Um, and once I kind of figured that out, the, the decision was easy. I won't say the journey was easy, but the decision was. So of all the things that you've accomplished and done so far in your life, what are you the proudest of? I think the... So what I did was, I mean, setting up your own business, you know, you know, you could go to a franchise, right? And then you could just sell somebody else's ideas or you could read stuff off the internet. Um, and then you could sell conventional thinking and, and put your own spin and twist on it. Um, and what I, what I tried to do was something completely novel and innovative. I didn't invent the term adaptability intelligence that was around three or four years before I set up my business. I thought I'd invented it because I'd never heard it before. And then, of course, that depressing moment where you type it into Google and there's a whole page of it already there. But what I did do was my it's my interpretation of what adaptability intelligence is, a spectrum of intelligence from the fear of change through to the freedom to change. And I developed a completely uh, original model um, four layers, uh, and lots of tools, antidotes and stimulants to help you get through change and become more comfortable with it. And the first time, the answer to your question, the, f the first time that I actually sold that, made money out of it. Um, um, there's one thing to sit in your office on your own and come up with blue sky thinking ideas. That's fun. And, you know, you'll probably live longer as a result of doing that actually commercially to have somebody validate your idea with dollar notes um that was quite that was quite a special feeling for a guy who spent all my life in corporates handing out putting out my hand at the end of the month that was that was really quite special it still makes me smile 
Yeah, for sure. So of all of these things that you've done in your life, you look down your timeline, you know, you gain wisdom from all the things, failures and successes. Let's say you have a dream tonight, you run into the 20 year old version of yourself and you could dispense advice onto that younger version of you. What advice would you give your younger self? Well, I've actually got um, older teenage daughters. Um, so I've kind of had this conversation with them and it, and it kind of stems from uh, everything that I've been saying. Uh, there, I suppose there's two bits of advice that, that I've given them. Uh, one, be braver sooner. Uh, I, I wish that I had done this. It took me 30 years, 25 years to pluck up the courage to go out on my own. At one point, I was the head of procurement running an organization of 1,500 suppliers. Um, that's why I came out to Kansas City to, to visit some of them. Um, and, and I saw people uh, running their own businesses, and, and I was in awe of those. I was inspired by those people, but I always held back and held back and stayed in the comfort of a corporation. Um, and I wish I had done that sooner. So I'm not pushing my daughters never to go into corporate life. I'm just saying uh, if you, if uh, you ever have that spark of a thought, then, then listen to it. Um, and the other one is, uh, the power of networking. Um, I'm reasonably outgoing, but I have never networked. Um, I, again, when you're in the safety of a, a corporation, you know, I worked for a company that had over a hundred thousand people in it. it. It was enough that I could network internally without reaching out. And of course, when you set up your own business, you realize that um, networking is, is everything. Um, and then when I started having to network that hard to, to get my business off the ground, I thought, well, if I'm doing that much to, to bring in the dollars, then shouldn't I be working just as hard networking with my friends? Cause I'm a rubbish friend. I, I move, I've moved all over the world. And every time I move, I just leave people behind. That's what I've done my whole life. And that is definitely a piece of advice I would give to my uh, 20 year old self. Uh, don't leave people behind. I, I find it easy to make friends and I've taken it for granted my whole life. And I really wish I hadn't. Much easier with social media now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the power of networking and connecting with friends and colleagues and contacts. It is, it's not just the stuff of business. It is the stuff of life. And I, I have taken it for granted and I should have done more sooner, better, faster. Sure. So let's get to the real essence of you. Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Um, well, I, I am certainly one of the, Joe, I'm one of the funniest people that I know. Nobody thinks I'm funnier than I do. <laughs> um, for a start. Um, and I suppose the other thing I do, and I do use my humor because, and I, I, and I have to because the other thing I, I am, I find with my clients is that I'm reasonably undiplomatic. You know, I have climbed the corporate ladder. So I, I do, I do understand the game of politics and diplomacy to a level. But when people are hiring you and they're paying, you know, decent money for you, they don't, they don't want you to, to, um, beat around the bush too much and for too long. 
So I tend to say it like it is. So I think people would say that I'm quite challenging. Um, I do try and wrap that up in in humour as well. So yeah, I suppose I'm a kind of iron fist in a in a comedy glove. Maybe that's the the the, the best I can do. So that's wonderful. I love that description. So Rich, if anyone out there wants to hire you, learn more about you, anything pertaining to your world of business, where do they go? Uh, highperformancechange.com. That's all one word, highperformancechange.com. There's a whole load of stuff on there, all my contact details, blogs, videos. There's a free ebook even uh, that you can download on how to master adaptability. I love it, Rich. Hey, I'm glad we hooked up. Thank you for your story. I appreciate it, man. Very good to talk to you, Joe. Thanks for inviting me on. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.